Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 8 today. We'll get there eventually, but uh, share some other things with you uh, to get started. In about a month, there will be a revival. In a little less than a month, there will be a great awakening of sorts. Many will fall under incredible conviction for the weight and sins that have easily beset them. And they will respond to the gospel of the gym. They will walk the aisle and make a profession of faith. They will immediately set their alarms with dedicated intent and enthusiastically leap out of bed and put on their new top-of-the-line brand name, moisture-wicking workout apparel, a symbol of their new identity. They will experience baptism by the sweat dripping from their forehead as they battle the incline of the treadmill. Their exuberance is shared by all who have made the same commitment to life transformation. Many will have begun the same journey, but as the snow piles high, as the thermometer reads below zero with wind chill, and when the results just don't come as quickly as expected, some will simply fall away and never return. But some will keep going. They will see results. They will meet their daily stand, move, and exercise goals. They will battle their friends and family by closing the rings on their Apple Watch. Or they will claim bragging rights for their step totals using their inferior Fitbit. They will press on until the baby keeps them up late or a project from work requires an early morning meeting in the office, or the onset of a cold that leads to hitting that snooze button just one too many times. And eventually, the pressures of family, family work, hobbies, bills, and more squeeze them from all sides, and in time, they succumb to the enemy and join the ranks of all the other couch potatoes. But not all hope is lost. A small remnant who join the gym, are able to celebrate the miraculous victory of weight loss and muscle gain. They have disciplined themselves. They have changed their eating habits. They no longer live a sedentary lifestyle. They have now become healthy, living ambassadors. They invite their friends and coworkers and family members to the gym, and they even become a coach in all things pertaining to fitness. They have become role models for the rest of us. Follow me as I follow Tony Horton. They look forward to hearing the words, well done, good and faithful athlete. I had fun writing that. So, Way too much time spent in doing that. Uh, but sadly, there's some truth in all of that. Uh, many of us, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, just, just to be clear, I, it's not meant to discourage any of us. In fact, I'm hoping that some of you will be like, oh, yeah, you watch it. I, I'll, I can, I'm going to, I'll show, I'll prove you wrong. You go for it. You know, all the more power to you. But the truth is that many of us in just a few weeks here are going to set New Year's resolutions. We're going to be committed to this and this and this. And it's not bad. It's a good thing to do. But many of us will not succeed at that. It's just that's just a fact of life. We will not succeed at it because there are times when we can be a bit fickle. This is what we want, but we're not so willing to commit to it. And like me, you've probably experienced times when you're similar, there are similarities in your growth in the area of fitness like it is growth in the area of Christ-likeness. Both require vision and commitment and discipline. Faith is like a muscle 
that needs to be developed. In fact, Paul tells Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, good, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Then he tells the Philippians, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence when I'm here with you, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Put some effort and energy into it, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we get to team up with God to make spiritual growth happen. And then we read... Uh, as we jump into the book of John, you're going to see how there's just a sense of where f- how fickle faith plays into all this. Go and turn to Ch- John chapter 8 if you're already there. Uh, as we, what I want to do is give you several passages in John that set the context for chapter 8. And we begin at the end of the book, John 20 verse 31. I've shared this with you before and I'll keep sharing it with you. John writes the book of John, so that we may believe, that word believe is, is going to, we're going to hear it over and over again, that you may believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, but it doesn't just stay there. It's that by believing, we may have life in his name. It's not just an identity thing as in uh, just I'm known as that, but, but there's actually evidence and demonstration that I have life in his name. That's the goal. And faith is the way to get there, but oftentimes that is easier said than done. If we jump back into the beginning of the book, John chapter 2, we pick up at the end there where he says, now when he was in Jerusalem, Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many did what? What's the word there? Many believed in his name. Many great Well, why did they believe? Or when did they believe? When they saw the signs that he was doing. When they saw him doing miracles, they believed. Great. You know, like you'd think, okay, let's add him to the team. That's great. But Jesus, in verse 24, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. That same word, entrust, is the same Greek word as believe. Jesus didn't believe in them. I'm telling you, I would not want Jesus, I would not want it said about me that Jesus didn't believe in me. That's intense. It says Jesus did not entrust himself to them. Why? Because he knows people. Because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness or, or give a testimony about people for he himself knew what was in people. He, he, he knew people. He said, I'm I'm not going to trust you. I don't know about that. That's kind of intense. There's a a bit of this this fickle faith or a a bandwagon belief. In fact, he says a few chapters later in chapter 4 to the Roman official, he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. I think that's probably many of us. Unless we get what we want from Jesus, we're not all fully on board. We don't believe and then in chapter 6, Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. In fact, I, if, you, if you eat this bread, you're, you're never going to hunger. You, but, it, but in order to do it, you've got to be all in. And he gets very intense with it. And his disciples respond. When many of his disciples heard what he's saying, they said, that's a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Like, Jesus, you sure you want to 
You sure you want to do that? Like, you're not going to get much of a following if you're going to be that hard on the people. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? Like, you guys are going to be okay with this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If you see him go back to heaven, well, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But, so he's, all this stuff he's teaching, but there are some of you who do not, what? Believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him, verse 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. But this is what I want you to see. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Fickle faith. So Jesus said to the 12, you want to go away as well? Are are you going to stick around? These people are deserting me. You going to stick around? And Simon's like, Simon Peter's like, no, 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 no. Lord, Lord, where, where are we going to go? Like, who, who's got what you got? You have the words of eternal life, and we have what? Believe. We have believed. We believe Jesus. And we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then we jump to chapter 8, where we were last week, at the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is telling the Jews, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness, but you're going to have the light of life. If you believe in me, you will not die for your sins. And I'm here to tell you what the God, the Father, has for you. That's what Jesus was saying. And that ends with where we left off last week in verse 30, John 8, 30. says, as he was saying these things, what's that next word? Many did what? Believed in him. Many believed in him. Now, One of the things I look forward to every week is coming to be with you. And as I get to share God's word with you, most of you, if not all of you, are believers. That means we've got a lot in common. And and generally speaking, it's not hard to convince you of the truth about Jesus because you believe it, okay? Now, you would think that many believed in him. And then we get to 31, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, you'd think they're about to have a great conversation. Like Jesus is going to, like that they're on the same team and they're going to wrestle through this together and just, just it's going to be a celebration of who Jesus is. That's not what happens. Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, if you, what's the word there? Abide, remain, stay. That's that word meno where we saw it uh, back in the, the, the folks that wanted to stay with Jesus, abide with Jesus in chapter 2, but then, or chapter 1, 2, I forget, it's back there somewhere. But then uh, it's, we're going to see in John 15 where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, remain in me. G- uh, John likes that word. If you abide in what? What's the word there? If you abide in my word, Okay? Say it louder. I got I to hear you say it. In my what? Thank you. You're going to see that word many times today in this passage, and I want you to make note of it. Who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Not just partially, not just maybe, but you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, 
That's the result of it. You're going to know the truth, and that truth is going to set you free. Now, remember our pathway? We want to move people from being unbelievers to being curious, exploring faith in Christ, to being a believer, to being a disciple, to being a disciple maker who then helps others on the journey. Right here is what we're seeing is the movement between being a believer-ish to being a disciple. He's going to call them out and say, if you truly want to be my disciples, what do you have to do? Abide in my word. In fact, you're going to see six statements in your notes today, six principles directly from Jesus. Let's see, here's the first one. If you really want to be my disciple, then you have to follow my way of life. If you want to be my disciple, if you really want to be my disciple, then you have to follow my way of life. You know, to abide in my word is to continue or remain in what I have to say, in my teaching. And another way to say that, though, is it's not just up here, but it's also got to be in here and out here, is you follow my way of life. Here's how Eugene Peterson says it in uh, the message. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, if you, stick, if you abide and you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is not in your notes, but I want you to write it down. Oftentimes, at least maybe the impression I got growing up in the circles I did, was if you pray a prayer of salvation, you get saved and that gets you to heaven. Now, that might be a little oversimplistic, but sometimes that's kind of how it's viewed in the circles I grew up in. Folks, that's not enough. That's really not what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. It takes three things. You begin with understanding. You need to understand the truth of what Jesus says. Understand his vision for life. And that's really, it begins in the mind, where, where you, you, this is what Jesus says, but then there's a decision. So you go from understanding to a decision, and that decision is whether or not to follow him, whether or not he is the path I'm going to take. There's intention. So we move from the mind to the will, or some would say the heart, to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus because Jesus' way is better. So you understand, then you make a decision, and the third piece is obedience, putting it into action where you, you keep doing what he wants you to do. And the truth is you need all three pieces. Because how many folks out there understand the ways of Jesus? Lots of people. You read the Bible, it's pretty clear. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is the truth. This is the vision. And they don't choose to follow him. Well, then there's many who understand, and they say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then they don't do diddly squat about it. Because it costs them something. It costs us to follow Jesus. So we need all three, understanding, decision, and obedience. Wrestle with that and where you're at in your walk with God. Jesus says that if you abide in his word, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Living life Jesus' way will change your life. It will set you free, but free from what? the same thing they asked. Verse 33, they answered him, hey, 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 Jesus, wait, 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 wait. We are offspring of Abraham. 
and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? What do you mean by that? Now, we all know through history that the Jews were consistently under bondage to other nations, but what they're saying is here is we got a direct line to Abraham. Okay, we, we've, got, we've got something special. We've not been slaves spiritually anyone. Like you may, get, you may put us in physical bondage, but we're not in spiritual bondage because we have a privileged heritage in Abraham. Well, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, like pay attention. I say to you, everyone who practices sin, I think it's funny to practice sin, it does sin, I mean, putting into action, okay? We don't have to practice in order to sin, okay? We just naturally do it. Why? Because we're slaves to sin. Everyone who does sin is a slave to sin. That's how we're born. This is the, the, um, the way that we, original sin, we're, we're born that way. He, then he says in verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever, well, the son remains forever. Truth is there, once you're a son, you're always a son. But a slave isn't always a slave. Like you could get your, your freedom and move out of the house and, and you wouldn't be there. So verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's a powerful statement. He's saying if, if the son says hey, you're free here, if you abide in my word, then you're going to be free indeed. Verse 37, I know that you're an offspring of Abraham. I know. I get it. Jesus could say, so am I. Yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because my, what's the word there? Word finds no place in you. My way of teaching is not in you. So even though you're uh, from Abraham's lineage, You're trying to kill me, and you're not abiding by my teaching. So here's the principle. Your religious background doesn't matter if you aren't following my way of life. Your spiritual heritage doesn't matter if you're not following Jesus. The faith of your grandpa, the faith of your grandma, your mom, your dad is not enough. It's got to be your faith. You might have grown up in a great church, great preaching, great Sunday school, great youth group. You might have been confirmed or baptized. You might have gone to a Christian school. You might have been a a great rule follower. Doesn't matter if you're not living it out now the way that Jesus intended. How do we know if we're truly disciples? We remain in his word. We walk with him now. I discourage people from writing dates in their Bibles of this is the date I got saved. Because too many people will look at that date and say, that's my confidence. No, your confidence is how you're living now. John says, how do we know that we have eternal life? Uh, In 1 John, he says, do I love, do I believe, and do I obey? That's the test of whether or not you're a disciple of Jesus whole sermon behind that, but we'll move on. Verse 38, Jesus says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. And like, wait a minute, don't we have the same father? They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, 
No, no, no. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. If you really were Abraham, you would look like him. You would, you would believe the same things he did. But now you, you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Abraham didn't deny that. This is, Jesus gets in their face a little bit here. You are doing the works your father did. And they said, well, wait, wait a minute. We're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Now, most commentators believe this is a dig on Jesus because the whole uh, Joseph and Mary thing and the confusion behind that, that he got a reputation that, oh, yeah, you were born of sexual immorality. It's not true, but that's what they're saying. We have one father, even God. And Jesus says... If God were your father, you would love him. For I came from God, and, and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Here's why. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Again, the teachings of Jesus. You, can't, if you, can't, you don't understand this stuff because you're not listening. You are of your father who? the devil. I would not want to be that audience for Jesus to say, your father's the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? No one. If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? So whoever is of God hears the words of God. Again, word there. Now you got the words of the Father. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Let's state it this way. If you don't follow, Jesus is saying, if you don't follow my way of life, you're not on my team. You're actually on the devil's team. You can't be on both teams. We watch the Browns play today. I don't even know who they play. You, you'll never see a player go back and forth. Okay, they're on one team or the other. You and I are on Team Jesus or we're on Team Satan. Did you know that you can be religious and still serve the enemy, though? Wrestle through this for a minute. Back in Matthew, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Master, Master, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Like, didn't we do some good things here? And we cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Like, I've got this list, Jesus. Like, didn't you see what I, I've done here? Jesus says, I will declare, uh, then will I declare to them, I never knew you. The word knew there means to be in relationship. So you've done all this stuff for me, but we weren't even in a relationship. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. To abide in his word means to live out his teachings, and it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. So I encourage you to wrestle with that. Go back to the text in John, John 8, verse 48. 
This is great. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? But they're, they're, they're calling him names. This is like, you know, I tried to find an equivalent, like calling somebody a Samaritan, what would it be like? But nowadays, I mean, you can't call anybody anything without getting in trouble. Like, I could call you a snowflake and get, you know, canceled for that. But uh, here's what I came up with. Calling somebody a Samaritan would be like calling them a Michigan fan. That would be, the, that, that would be an equivalent of that. That worked much better in the first service. You guys are, you must not be good Buckeye fans. I, I just, you know, forget it. But there, this is bad. To call somebody a Samaritan, you're a half-breed. You're, you're not a true Jew. And then to say you have a demon means you have nothing to do with God. In fact, you, they're saying you're on the devil's team. Well, Jesus' response is, no, 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 I don't have a demon. Instead, I, I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet, I do not seek my own glory. You know what? Guess what? It's not all about me. Where, where do I get my glory? Well, there is one who seeks it. The father seeks my glory, and he is the judge. Well, pay attention here. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone does what? keeps my word, we see it again, he will never see death. Here's the way to say it. Jesus, again, is saying, following my way of life has eternal value. It has eternal value. You and I both struggle to find our identity. We're tempted to find our identity in all these things of this earth that do not have eternal value. Finding our identity in our careers, finding our identity in the gym, in our families and relationships, in our hobbies, in our success, will not bring eternal value. The way of Jesus is the only thing that can bring eternal value. Wrestle with, and how do you know, how do you know what, where you're finding your identity? If that were to be taken away, how would you respond? And that'll tell you how much you worship that, how much you find your identity in that. If your job is taken away, does your life fall apart? If your family's taken away, if your, your hobbies are taken away, your physical things are taken away, it shows you that your identity's in that. We all struggle with that. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Like, for sure, you are demonic. Because Abraham died, as did the, the prophets, and yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Well, Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory's nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. You all, you all worship him. Well, guess what? He's given me the glory. So you guys are the ones that are inconsistent here. You're the hypocrites. But truthfully, you've not known him. I know him. I have a relationship with him. You don't. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you guys. But I do know him, and I keep his word. I'm following the teachings of the Father, just like you're supposed to be following my teachings, because I'm bringing you his teachings. 
Another way to say it then is, if you want to know the Father, follow my way of life. If you want to know the Creator, if you want to know the one who understands everything, guess what? I'm, I'm the way to Him. I'm the bridge. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to the Father but through me. I'm the Messiah. I'm the promised one. I'm the messenger. My way of life is how you have a relationship with your Creator. You can't have God the Father without God the Son. Truth is, we can't have the, the Holy Spirit's in the mix there too, but that's for a message here in a few weeks as we, John introduces us to the Holy Spirit. If you want to know the Father, follow the ways of Jesus. That's how that works. It's still true today. But then we get to the end here. Your father Abraham, Jesus says to them, rejoiced that he would see my day. Now, again, put yourself in the shoes of the crowd. Okay, you're going to have a, a drop the mic moment. In fact, if, if the worship team wouldn't get so mad at me, I'd physically drop a mic here, but I won't do that. He, Abraham, saw it, the day, Jesus' day, and was glad. So they're saying, Abraham is excited about me. Can you just imagine the crowd like, what in the world is this guy saying? So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, which part of me is wondering if he's calling him old. And I'm thinking, let's raise that age up a little bit because I'm almost 50 here. It's like, you're not even 50 years old. You're not even old yet. Well, and you've seen Abraham? Like, like how does this work? Jesus said to them, pay attention. In fact, I say to us, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was... What? I am. That's what we sang about this morning. The great I am. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, that was Yahweh. The name of God is simply, I am who I am. It's not a Popeye reference. Okay, that came later on. But I am. I, I'm this. I'm that. God is I am. And so Jesus says, guess what? I am. And this is a Greek translation of the uh, Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And he says, I am. Those two words removed all doubt that Jesus was claiming to be God. But here's what he's saying. I have the authority to tell you to follow my way of life. I have the authority to tell you to follow my way of life. There's a lot of folks out there who want to tell us what to do, isn't there? A lot of people want to tell me how to raise my kids and how to mow my lawn and, you know, stupid HOA people. I mean, I didn't get up on that, yeah. Like, there, there's people who want to tell us how to live life, but they have no authority. Jesus has full authority. He can tell you how to live. Tell you, like, I'm your creator here. I can, I can tell you what to do. So we have a decision are we going to submit to that authority or not? Are we going to surrender to that authority or not? They didn't. They picked up stones to throw at him. They want to kill him. They didn't surrender to him. And I wonder if in some ways, do we pick up stones to throw at him? No, Jesus, I don't want to do it your way. You want me to, to live this way and say no to this and say yes to this? And, and we're like, no, 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 no. Pick up our stones. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? Like, I don't, be, I don't want my heart to be in a place where I'm throwing stones at Jesus. 
But the truth is we do, don't we? Forget you, God. I want to do it my way. My way. Stone him or surrender. But it says, but, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. I'm sorry, but I, all I can think of is Harry Potter's cloak of, of invisibility. So that just, that goes through my mind. But Jesus is better than Harry Potter, so he probably just zipped out of there. We don't know. To live another day. Think of this. In fact, come on up. Um, our worship team is going to lead us in a, in a closing song. Um, Jesus' way of life was affirmed by his actions on the cross. Everything that Jesus taught culminated in the cross. And yes, this is Advent. This is the time when we celebrate the, the baby. We celebrate the arrival of, of, of the promised one, the Messiah. But the truth is, um, the baby doesn't stay there. The baby grows up and, and lives a perfect life and ultimately dies on the cross for your sin and for my sin. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing um, the same song we, we sang last week, Man of Sorrows. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer here, and then I'm going to invite you to come to the table and receive the elements. Take a, take a cracker, take a, um, a, a juice, and go back to your seat. And what I want you to do is we're going to begin singing the song. And I want you to pay extra careful attention to the words as you hold an image, a picture of Jesus' broken body and his spilled blood. Like just, just physically like hold those and, and think and meditate and, and say thank you through the words of the song, remembering what he's done for us. And then right in the middle of the song, we're just going to take, take time out and, and we're going to take communion together. And then we're going to continue in worship and you'll see how it all fits together. Father, thank you for the words of Jesus today. The invitation that Jesus has for us to abide in his word. Lord, the truth is we have so many um, uh, people and uh, uh, influences that want to pull us away from Jesus and, uh, and abide in so many other things. And so, Father, I'm, just, I'm asking that you would bless my brothers and sisters, bless me, and, and help us, that your spirit would help us to abide in the words of Jesus, follow his way of life. And so that by doing that, we may have life in his name. We may have uh, the truth and the truth setting us free. And so we just say thank you. We say thank you for what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We remember that now. May you be honored and glorified during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.